KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. So school is back in session. Lots of students, though, aren't going any further than their living rooms to go to school this year. Because of COVID, many schools in California and across the country are closed for in-person learning. They're offering online instruction only until they can figure out how to make it safer for kids and for staff. I'm Alan Liliental, and in Only Here Today, we're replaying an episode that first aired last year. It's about students who, under normal circumstances, have to cross an international border to get to school. And actually, we know some students who are still making this tedious journey, even now in the middle of a pandemic. They're kids who live in Tijuana but attend private schools in San Diego. And many of those schools did get a waiver to reopen. So enjoy the episode. And by the way, if you have any ideas for future episodes, cross-border stories that paint a clearer picture of what it's like to live in a binational region, email us anytime at podcasts at kpbs.org. That's podcasts at kpbs.org. Thank you. Living in a border town means different things to different people. If you live in San Diego, you can either cross the border fairly easily or totally ignore the border altogether. Oh, I never had. I'm a student here, international. Four to five times a week, depending on my work schedule. I cross two times a week. Yeah, I just cross right now. Like, never. You can live your whole life here and never really have to deal with the border at all. You can basically turn your back on it. It doesn't, like, play a huge role in my life. I'm not a party guy, I guess. You get too drunk and you could get attacked, so don't go alone. It's always in the news and, like, the government shutdown and stuff. It's just I don't know a lot of people go and there is some kind of, like, I'm definitely, like, kind of afraid. But in Tijuana, the border is all up in your face every day. It's just part of the city. Some neighborhoods in TJ are built right up to the fence. The traffic at the borderline clogs city streets. And lots of people here cross the border nearly every single day. They have lives on both sides of the border. I have a job right here. So basically the money that I win here, I support my family in Mexico. Among those daily crossers are the hundreds of students who live in Tijuana but get their education in San Diego. The reasons why people put themselves through the stress of crossing an international border to get to school vary. For young kids, it's mostly parents wanting them to get a higher quality education. Their kids have dual citizenship, and while some attend private schools, others use relatives' addresses in the U.S. to get into public schools. But for many of the college students, it's simple math. Rent in San Diego is expensive, and in Tijuana, you can rent an apartment for just a few hundred bucks or stay with your family. Plus, graduating from an American university can also make it a lot easier to get a job in the U.S., the international trek to school is long and annoying, but it can also be traumatic. In the room, I was asked by a female Border Patrol agent to um, pull down my pants and my underwear and show my pad and show that there was blood on it, basically. And at that moment, you, you just don't think you have a choice. I'm Alan Liliental. And you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about the place where San Diego and Tijuana meet. Today, 
a story about students who cross an international border for their education. Only here can you find students that cross countries just to get to school. More after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Alex Zaragoza was going to school. She just had to get through an international border to get there. She was used to the questions and the prodding at the border used to seeing Border Patrol agents holding guns, used to feeling like she was guilty of something, even though she was just a kid on her way to school. Nothing to declare became her daily mantra. On this particular day, though, instead of getting questioned, then waved through the San Isidro port of entry, she and her sister got stopped. But while we were waiting, suddenly, like, the the drug-sniffing dogs or the, you know, patrol dogs are kind of all over the car, and I'm like like, nervous, like, what's going on? And suddenly she's just like, oh, f***, like, there was, like, we had weed in the car yesterday. There's nothing in here now, but it probably still smells. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't know. And so we, of course, get pulled into secondary inspection. And so we're, like, you know, we parked the car. We're escorted out of the car. We're taking it into whatever holding room. And at that point... um, they, you know, they start asking us questions, and then they, um, they separate us. They take my sister away, and they take me away. Um, At this point, Alex says she was freaking out. This was years ago. She was just a teenager at the time, and she was alone, scared, and being told what to do by an armed Border Patrol agent. And they, they do a pat-down, basically. Um, just general, like, you know, general pat-down to see if you have anything. And as they're patting me down, they detect a maxi pad. So I was on my period. I was wearing a pad at that time, and they felt it. And so they then escorted me to a private room where um, in the room I was asked by a female Border Patrol agent to um, pull down my pants and my underwear and show my pad and show that there was blood on it, basically. And at that moment, you... You just don't think you have a choice. Alex Zaragoza is an editor for Vice in New York now, covering culture. Over the years, she's written a lot about the border and her personal experiences. She grew up here and started crossing the border to go to school when she was 12 and her family moved to Tijuana. She had to wake up at 5 a.m. just to get to class on time. I went from literally driving like 10 minutes from my house to Chula Vista Junior where I went to then having to cross the international border to get to school and like the two hours that took every day. Alex says the commute was more than just time consuming. She says it took an emotional toll. Like crossing the border exacerbates so much like, you know, intense feelings and um, like just stress. It, it exacerbates stress and anxiety like, like so much. And my mom at the point, at that point was dealing with like depression and really severe anxiety and like having had, like, a workplace injury, so then having to deal with, like, crazy cars hunk- honking all the time and, like, just 
the being in a border for two hours and like, is my daughter going to get to school on time? Whatever. Like it was just, it was really intense for her. It was intense for me as like just a kid, you know, coming of age um, and having to do it like while navigating like the code switching and just, you know, being embarrassed because you're taught to be ashamed of where you come from, you know, when you're from Tijuana and stuff. So um, now having to do that every single day, like that starts to weigh on you and it starts to have bigger implications on your identity and how you view yourself, how you view where you come from, um, what opportunities are available to you. Because like if I wanted to go to college, it was just going to be a little bit harder than for all the kids that lived in San Diego, you know? There was another time during Alex's daily cross-border commute that she'll never forget. She says her family crossed one day on the way to school and immediately got stuck in standstill traffic. Eventually, the cars began inching along. That's when she saw what was holding things up. The dead body of a man who'd been hit by a car while trying to cross the border illegally. I, can't, I never forget the like yelp my mom made. Like this, like horrified like just saddened sound that came from her heart like from her chest of like seeing this person being lifted and I was in shock and didn't even know what to like what to think or say but I just remember his hands and like how like they were they looked like kind of callous kind of dry they looked like my dad's hands they looked just like my dad's hands I could kind of see his jacket and it was like dusty and stuff. And there's just things where I was like, I saw, like I saw this person who was just trying to get across the border. It just, it just brought that understanding, like the space that, um, that I was crossing every day. For us, it was definitely a nuisance. It was definitely traumatic and has all these other implications. But for other people, it's life and death. Time for a break. When we come back, we talk to a professor who uses art to better understand students who cross the border, plus a doctoral student's efforts to create a community and support system for border crossing students. Stay tuned. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. According to the federal government, about 90,000 people cross legally through the San Isidro Port of Entry every single day. No one knows exactly how many of those are students going to school. But a professor at San Diego State University estimates that it's in the thousands. For more than a decade, that professor has been working on a project she says gives her a much better understanding of these students and their lives crossing the border. 
Well, what do we have here? It's, again, the first element of this mental map, it's, it's the idea. Norma Iglesias Prieto is obsessed with how people in San Diego experience, or don't experience, the border. The San Diego State professor has spent 33 years of her life studying the border. She lived in Mexico for the first half of her career, but came to San Diego to get a better understanding of life on this side. One of the classes Norma teaches at SDSU is an introduction to border studies. And for the last 14 years, she's required students in that class to draw large maps of the border. So the mental maps are exercise uh, in which uh, I ask the students to think about how borders and borderlands affect their life. And they have to express it in a graphic way, in a, in a, in a mental map. She tells the students not to worry about making the maps geographically accurate. Instead, she wants them to include drawings of places that mean something to them and the roads that they take to get to those sentimental spots. The resulting drawings are super fascinating. Imagine poster boards filled with handmade drawings of the places that mean the most to the students. Those places are then connected by hand-drawn freeways. And how and where the students decide to draw the border on the map depends on how often they cross, or if they cross at all. She showed us a map with a drawing of several places on the San Diego side of the border, just a few places on the Tijuana side and a big cloud drawn right in the middle. Norma interprets the cloud and the rest of the images on the map as if there's some kind of secret language that she's become fluent in. She pointed to a line drawn through the middle of the cloud. That is referring to his thinking, no? his mind. His mind is divided. His thoughts are divided in two. The, the U.S. and the, that is related with the Chicano, uh, that is part of the flag of Cesar Chavez, uh -huh, the, 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 the Farm Workers Union, uh, Justice, SDSU, and the word Gente, that means people in Spanish, this our people. So it's very clear that have a very Chicano awareness of his condition of being a minority or a Mexican-American. Um, this person is divided, divided in terms of a language and a culture that is related with media, mm -hmm, music, and education, mm -hmm, the formal way of thinking that is the, U, the American but that the fate, because it's a cross, with, uh, with uh, roots, that means their, my, their, his past, his mind, his uh, faith is related with Mexico. Norma analyzes every part of the map, distilling meaning in each tiny detail. She says the maps have given her a much better understanding of the border and how it impacts people living near it. In her broader study of the border, Norma relies on more traditional scientific research and data that helps explain the border's economic and social impact on the region. But she says these carefully planned and deeply personal hand drawings by her students paint a much more intimate picture of the border, one that can be easier for people to relate to. Students will draw things like SDSU and the place they work on the U.S. side, and then they'll draw their grandma's house and their favorite taco stand on the Tijuana side. She uses the maps to put her students into categories that show their relationship to the border. 
She says every student falls into one or more of eight different categories she's created. And those categories range from non-border, the students in San Diego who basically ignore the border's existence, to global students who lead lives across multiple borders. She says her favorite maps are those of the students who have built full lives on both sides of the border here. These students depict how the border can offer value and opportunities on both sides. She loves the way a truly trans-border lifestyle looks when drawn out on a piece of paper. With the border and a potential new wall at the center of a heated national debate, Norma says now more than ever, it's important to really understand and document how people live their lives in border towns. She says the two countries are connected, whether people like it or not. And the thousands of people who cross the border every day are a population that is too often ignored and left out of the border debate. You could imagine how we are interconnected. The level of interdependence or integration is basic. There's people who recognize it because it's evident in their life, that is more evident in the South that we are integrated to the North, than the recognition from the North that they are or we are integrated to the South. And this is because of the asymmetry. It's like the powerful don't want to recognize that I depend on the less powerful. Imagine that the border for half of the population of the trans-border region, the border is an opportunity. But for the other half, the border is a problem, it's a risk. So the the same person that saw in the past the border as a problem suddenly could see the border as an opportunity. Yeah. In terms of businesses, health, access to health services, in terms of culture, just the fact that you could be exposed to another culture, national culture, just by crossing, eating, opportunities of eating, drinking, friends. It's like open the possibilities instead of closing the possibilities. Yeah. So what I want is to not only teach about these different, this incredible universe of different experience, I'm learning from my own students how complex and the tension that exists in this incredible area that I'm convinced that is a laboratory. One of the movers and shakers inside this border laboratory is Vanessa Falcón Orta. I am a PhD candidate over at here at San Diego State, joint with Claremont Graduate University. Vanessa is also the founder of a transborder student group at SDSU. She lives in both San Diego and Tijuana. Sometimes she crosses the border multiple times a day, crisscrossing between San Diego, Tijuana, and Los Angeles. For the past few years, Vanessa's been working hard to organize border-crossing students just like herself. She says she wanted to both create a community for border-crossing students and simply remind people that they exist. In my research and just talking to students also, I've heard over and over again this invisibility, this um, lack of awareness of this culture, this trans-border culture really, and trans-border students. So having this lack of visibility So in order to unravel and undo that invisibility, um, I went about creating the student organization. The goal, the mission is to create an inclusive campus environment for trans-border students here at San Diego State, but not just San Diego State, also neighboring higher education institutions in San Diego and even in Los Angeles. More recently, 
Vanessa launched a program that offers transborder students access to mentors who understand border crossers and can help them navigate the extra challenges their lives bring. Because it can be frustrating to be a student who gets up at 4 a.m. and crosses an international border just to get to class on time. Then you're surrounded by students who live on campus and only have to roll out of bed five minutes before class. Plus, she says dealing with a militarized border every day can make students more tense and anxious than their peers, understandably so. But the two biggest and most common problems that come up for students who straddle the border are food and housing. Vanessa says it's not uncommon for transborder students to end up sleeping in their cars or skipping multiple meals because they simply don't have time to get home. And lately, the insecurity and anxiety among transborder students has increased tremendously because of the political climate. Last year, the San Isidro Port of Entry was closed down entirely for hours because of a standoff between members of a migrant caravan and border patrol agents. And President Donald Trump continues to threaten to close the border. Vanessa says that the instability has led more students to opt to sleep in their cars so they can get to their early morning classes on time. They don't want to risk getting trapped on the other side of the border. There has been also a heightened, extremely heightened security. So officers definitely sweat, uh, dressed in SWAT gear. There's um, bar wires um, on top of the border in and of itself, bar wires around the border and um, just uh, even around where people cross. So um, to answer your question, absolutely, it's a very, it's a very clear, stark, 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 um, just visual representation. And just you feel it too within yourself and, you know, your body if you feel tense because um, it is very hostile. Examples like that really are hindering to my way of being. She said things like this are making living a cross-border life much more difficult. And I agree. I've been crossing the border almost every day for a long time, and to this day, every time a border patrol agent asks me where I'm going, my mind goes blank, and I genuinely don't know what to say. So I usually just make something up because I don't want to look suspicious or like I'm crazy. And as soon as I leave, I tell myself, like, why, why'd you do that? Why didn't you just tell them where you were going? You're not doing anything wrong. But that's just the intimidation that is an inherent part of the border. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Liliental. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. KPBS podcasts are made possible by listeners like you. Go to kpbs.org to make a donation or become a member today. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. 
Let's go places.